All right, as we are standing in an honor of God's word, I want to read uh, the scripture that we're focusing on today. It's from the book of Mark, chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. This is God's word to us. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Father, thank you for your word to us especially this passage, Jesus, that speaks so powerfully to what's important to you. And God, we, we pray right now, we ask you, Holy Spirit, we ask you to soften our hearts and to hear, to hear what you wanna to say to each one of us. And then to respond to that in the time of worship, Lord, we, we just give ourselves to you and pray. I pray, Lord, you would speak through me. Lord, your servants are listening. We want to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you may uh, be seated. Really glad all of you are here. Before we jump into the message, I wanted to just reiterate, re-highlight the Kingdom Leadership Gathering coming up uh, Mar or, excuse me, February 10th, just in a couple weeks. If you're in a position of influence, um, in the marketplace, business, education, healthcare, the nonprofit world, whatever, and you're wanting to explore how to grow as a kingdom influencer, we encourage you to attend. This is, this is really a critical part of our all things with Christ vision that we part of our vision we shared last week, removing the sacred secular barriers and leading with Christ wherever he has placed you. So there's more information about that in your newsletter. Well, today we are starting a new teaching series. Um, I believe will have a significant impact upon our lives and upon our church. For the next eight weeks, we're going to be focusing on how we can experience closer healthier relationships. I encourage small groups, if you're in a Christ community small group, I encourage you to, to use this material, go through the questions. I encourage marriages to hear and process these messages together. This is a really important series for all of us in terms of relational health. Now, let me say right up front that this series is based upon some material put together by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. Um, so what that means is if you're wanting to go deeper, if something is kind of stirred in you as you hear one of these messages and you want to go deeper, there are a couple of resources we are recommending. One is a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And then another book he has written is more of a devotional guide based on some of the themes we're looking at, and that's called Emotionally Healthy Relationships Day by Day. These resources will be listed on our website. The operative word in this whole series is the word how. How? I mean, when it, when it comes to the area of relationships, we all long for healthy, closer relationships. We all want to love like Jesus loves. The problem is we often don't. Right? We don't, and that's very frustrating. We know we're supposed to be patient, but then we explode when our three-year-old accidentally breaks a dish. Um, we know we're supposed to be kind, but then we find ourselves being sarcastic with people at work or making critical comments toward our spouse. We know we're supposed to listen better, but we can't seem to keep from trying to fix 
everyone or trying to control people or getting defensive or just withdrawing. So how do we stop doing these things that are actually sabotaging our relationships? How do we break free from these unhealthy patterns of relating to other people, these relational dynamics in which we feel stuck? Now, most of us, most all of us, we, we, we tend to focus on the immediate practical solutions when we're facing something like this. Okay, try harder, read some more books or whatever, <clears throat> you know, try some technique, go to a conference or whatever. All of that can be absolutely helpful. But what I have found over the years is that <clears throat> there is a foundational principle of relational health that we often overlook or completely ignore. Um, and here's, here's the principle. When it comes to relational difficulties or challenges, look beneath. Look beneath. If we want to grow closer to people, if we want to get unstuck from our negative relational patterns, we have got to look beneath the surface in our lives and begin probing the realm of the heart the realm of our emotions. Whether we realize it or not, our emotions play a critical role, a significant role in our ability to connect with other people in a healthy way. Now, I realize this whole area of emotions may feel new to some of you. <clears throat> Maybe you grew up in a home where emotions weren't ever acknowledged, they weren't ever talked about, or they were viewed as being kind of weak, a sign of weakness. And so maybe you've never explored this area much. That is totally cool. This is, this is the beginning of a very important part of your journey with Jesus. And we are here to journey with you in this. We are on this journey together. So I want to begin, I want us to begin by looking at an example of a person in the Bible who was not in an emotionally healthy place. And that had a significant impact upon his relationship. So feel free to turn in your Bible. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you can turn to Genesis, the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 4. Genesis... <clears throat> Again, it's the first book of the Bible. It's amazing in terms of what it reveals to us about why we struggle in our relationships. So in chapter 4, we are introduced to the first offspring of Adam and Eve. We know in chapter 3, Adam and Eve were already experiencing marital conflict, and then they had kids. Okay, uh, so their firstborn was named Cain, and then they later had another son named Abel. Verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks. And Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Okay, so we have some significant sibling rivalry going on here. Cain grew crops for a living. <clears throat> His brother Abel kept livestock. They both brought an offering to the Lord out of the, what they did, out of their field, but God didn't accept Cain's offering, but he did accept Abel's. Now, for a long time, I didn't understand why it seemed kind of arbitrary. I didn't understand why God chose Abel's offering over Cain's. It, it, you know, it all seemed arbitrary. But recently, I heard someone point out something from the text that I'd never seen before. Um, and it relates to this idea of first fruits that we talked about a few months ago. How when we give to God, God wants our first fruits, not our leftovers. Right? He, he, wants, uh, he wants to come first in our finances. Okay, so notice, we're told that Abel brought fat from the firstborn 
of his flocks. He was offering God the best of his livestock. But Cain, we are told, brought some of the fruit of the soil. He didn't bring God his best. He brought God leftovers, which would then make sense as to why God didn't look with favor upon Cain's offering. It was given out of a heart that was not putting God first as, 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 as top priority. Okay, so, so, so we're told that Cain, regardless of why it happened, we're told that Cain was very angry about this. He experiences a, a strong negative emotion in his heart. Now, what's fascinating is how God responds. This is amazing to me. How God responds to Cain in the midst of his anger. Look at verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Notice, God doesn't rebuke Cain for feeling angry. He doesn't urge Cain to get rid of his anger or to deny his anger or to ignore or stuff his anger. No, 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 quite the opposite. God actually wants Cain to look at his anger. He wants Cain to actually explore his anger by asking the why, this, this why question. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? See, God wants Cain to look beneath, to look at his heart. And what we learn here is that our emotions, even our negative emotions, are not bad things. They are not bad things. Our emotions are actually a God, they're God-given windows into our heart, windows that God urges us to examine, windows that God actually urges us to explore. But this is not our typical response when it comes to emotions, especially negative emotions. What do we, as humans, typically do with our negative emotions? We stuff them, right? We don't want to spend any time looking at these things because that doesn't feel good. Negative emotions, they don't make us feel good, right? And so we don't want to spend time looking at these things, so we just choose to ignore them. We choose to stuff them. But they're kind of hard to ignore. And so here's what happens. When we try to ignore our emotions, what often results, the result is that we often turn to something else to distract us or to try to help us try and forget our negative emotions. We turn to something else. A bottle of wine, a pack of Oreos, uh, social media, video games, porn, Netflix binging, romance novels, whatever. Anything that can distract us so that we don't have to face our emotions. Now the problem is when we ignore what's going on in our heart, when we ignore this, when we try to stuff it and suppress it and all that, when we ignore it, those emotions don't just lay there and do nothing. They don't. They don't just kind of lay there and say, okay, we're just going to, you know, hang out here. No, they don't just stay there and do nothing. Look at, look at what God says to Cain in verse 7. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. See, this is what our, our emotions are not sinful, but notice what's happening Sin is crouching at our door, depending on what we do with our emotions. This is what happens when we ignore or suppress our negative emotions. They become this open cauldron for the world, our flesh, the devil, to just start pouring into our soul ingredients of self-hatred or deception, lies that we start to believe about ourselves or other people. 
These lies start stirring in our heart jealousy or anger or contempt or bitterness or a desire to withdraw from a person rather than move toward this person. And often we are completely unaware of how these lies are fueling our negative relational patterns. So a few years ago in a message a series called Hold Hard. As I told this story, I want to tell it again. I told a story about a, a 35-year-old man who was being interviewed by Brene Brown. Brene Brown is kind of an expert in the area of shame. Um, and, and she was interviewing this 35-year-old man. Um, and he told her this story about how 20 years earlier, when he was a freshman in high school, he went out for, high, for the football team, the high school football team. He had never played football f- before. So as he was standing there, he was all suited up. As he was standing there, all suited up, first day of practice, the coach looked at him, and he yelled to him, get on the line. Well, this, this young man hesitated for a moment, And the coach kind of sensed his fear, and he yelled even louder in front of the whole team, get on the line, don't be a, I won't say what he said, but it sort of means wimp, but it's not the word wimp. Okay, so he said that in front of the whole team. And so in the midst of all the embarrassment and the shame, in that moment, this 15-year-old kid, he got on the line, and when the ball was hiked, he plowed over the guy in front of him. And as he reflected on this 20-year-old incident from his past, 20 years ago, as he reflected on it in that moment, he said to Brene Brown, I've been plowing over people ever since. I've been plowing over people ever since. See, in that experience on the practice field as a 15-year-old, he took all these emotions, this fear of failure and shame, and he stuffed them deep inside his heart. They were just too painful to look at right? Too painful to look at again, but they didn't go away. He stuffed them, but they didn't go away. They just sat there. And over the years, they just became this cauldron of self-hatred and lies that were being whispered to his soul as a 35-year-old. Lies like, don't ever look weak. Don't ever look weak in front of other people. You're on your own. Failure is not an option. You must always be stronger than everyone around you. Those are the lies he was hearing and believing. Any any kind of guesses on how that those lies maybe impacted his relationships? How they impacted his marriage, his relationship with his coworkers, or with his children? I mean, I, I doubt if anyone felt close to him or relationally safe around him. He was so busy trying to protect himself from looking weak that he just kept plowing over people. Just kept plowing over people. See, ignoring these things in his heart was not helping him in his relationships. It's probably the easiest route. I'm just not going to think about that. That was embarrassing. It was shameful. Just not going to think about that. But ignoring that was actually impacting his relationship. It didn't help him at all in his relational world. And it didn't help Cain either. It didn't help Cain either. God, remember, God urged Cain, look beneath. Explore your heart. Look beneath. Explore your anger. He just, why are you angry? He wanted him to explore, but Cain chose not to. And that choice to ignore his emotions had huge consequences. Look at verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out to the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother, Abel? I don't know, he replied. 
Am I my brother's keeper? Notice where his unattended heart led him. To jealousy, hatred, violence, lying to the Lord, and then to this place of kind of sarcastic indifference. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's decision to ignore his heart resulted in horrendous relational damage. And the same thing is true of us. When we ignore our hearts, when we stuff our emotions or continually find ways to medicate, you know, to distract ourselves rather than face our emotions, the impact on our relationships is huge. We will find ourselves stuck in unhealthy patterns of relating to others and we'll end up driving them further away from us. And again, the thing about this is when I say stuck, I mean it. What happens is we're like, I'm just... This is just the way it is, I guess. I always relate to people this way. And we just kind of resign ourselves. Oh, that's, what's, that's it's just the way I, this is my personality. We're no. We've got to be willing. This is why it's so important to look beneath. Because it impacts every relationship, whether it's our relationship with our parents, or it's our relationship with our children, or it's our relationship with our friends, or our family, or our spouse, or our coworkers. Every relationship. Every relationship we are in will be impacted negatively by this, by ignoring, suppressing our emotions. Every relationship will be impacted negatively. So what we're describing here and what Cain so vividly models for us is basically emotional immaturity. This is someone who is emotionally unhealthy. So here here are a couple characteristics of someone who is emotionally unhealthy. And I'm not saying this like, Oh, shame on you. It just, I just, this is diagnostic here. If we want to explore this in our heart, where are we on a scale? It's not like black or white. Where are we on a scale of emotional health or emotional unhealthiness? Okay, here are some characteristics. This one who's leaning towards the unhealthy way, on the unhealthy side. One, this is a person who's often unwilling to look beneath. They are not very in tune with their heart, except anger. That's usually people can be in tune with. But other than that, they're not really able to, and, and anger is a secondary emotion anyway. It's reflecting something else. Um, So they're typically not very in tune with their heart, their emotions, either good or bad. They often have a a hard time acknowledging emotion and are really good at suppressing or or ignoring their emotions. So that's one um, characteristic. Another characteristic of people who are emotionally unhealthy or tend to be in in that area is that they often, they have huge walls they have subconsciously built to self-protect. And often they're not even aware of it. They have these, you can, a lot of times you can sense it when you're, when you're with a person like this, but the huge walls to self-protect. Some of us have walls of anger, um, not necessarily explosive anger. It's an anger fueled by like perfectionism and criticism of people and sort of judgmental of people as a way to make us feel superior, as a way to make us kind of feel more in control. Others of us have huge walls of performance. We're hiding behind our successes. Always, in other words, we always have to let people know in a conversation how busy we are or how productive we are or how successful we've been, you know, that kind of thing. Some of us have erected a very solid wall of niceness, um, always smiling, always trying to please everyone around us, never acknowledging our own needs, never letting anyone see what's going on inside of us where we want to eat, you know, out of the restaurant. Oh, no, don't let anyone, just going to be nice. Don't let anyone know what we want or what we need. 
And what happens is huge resentment can begin to build behind that wall of niceness. See, the simplest pathway to unhealthy, distant relationships is to ignore your heart. Just ignore your heart. Stuff your emotions, your joy, your fear, your sadness, your disappointment, your anger. Disconnect from your pain. And see, that decision, the reason we all choose it so often is because it feels like the easiest route. But, but, but it, will also, it will also result in relational distance from the people that you care most about. So what's the alternative? What does it look like to cultivate emotional health in our relationships? Well, we see the answer to this in the passage that I read earlier at the beginning of this message. So Jesus is asked by an expert in the, in the, in the Old Testament law, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, the most important one is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord, your, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. See, Jesus is saying that the entire law of God can be summarized in these two commandments, love God and love others. Now, often, we tend to separate these two commandments, right, into two different categories. And I, I thought I did that for years, but as I was reflecting on this passage, Recently, it struck me, these, these are not presented by Jesus as two separate, completely independent commands. No, they are intricately connected. And here's how. The way we love our neighbor, the how that we better love the people around us, is rooted in our love for God. Specifically, this command to love God with all our heart. To love God with all our heart. See, this phrase, loving God with all our heart, is a powerful description of emotional health. It's a powerful description of emotional health. An emotionally healthy person is a person who is not ignoring their emotions or stuffing their emotions, nor, I need to mention this, nor are they being overly dominated by their emotions. No, they are, they are experiencing God in their emotions. They're experiencing God in their emotions. In other words, their heart is accessible to God. Their heart is accessible to God. An emotionally mature person is someone who is aware of their emotions and they're, that they're experiencing, and they are willing, it's a person that's willing to welcome Jesus into that place. Now, obviously, this includes both positive and negative emotions, but our focus today is primarily on negative emotions because those tend to significantly impact our relationships. So, so what might it look like to acknowledge our negative emotion and invite Jesus into that place? Well, let's apply this to the story of Cain. We know that the route that he chose to take, unfortunately, but what if he had taken God's advice and instead of just letting his anger just kind of fester, he chose to welcome God into that place. He chose to explore his own heart with God's help. Well, this would look like Cain stopping to tune into his heart and to ask this question, why am I angry? To ask the question God asked of him, why am I angry? And he'd realize, you know, I'm angry because I feel rejected by God. And I feel jealous of my younger brother. I feel like a failure. 
So asking that question, he's exploring his anger, that's what he would have realized. So let's say Cain invited God into that place. God, I feel like a failure. I feel like you have rejected me as a person. Is that true? Well, we, are, we already know what God would say because he already said it to him. Look at verse seven. God says to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In other words, God is saying to Cain, this isn't about you personally. I, I haven't rejected you. I love you. This is about your offering to me. This isn't about you as a person. This is about your offering to me. I want to teach you about what worship looks like. I want to teach you about the kind of offering I desire. I want your heart. See, God is teaching him. God is wanting to bring truth into Cain's heart, into this place where Cain's anger is making him vulnerable to believing lies. So by going to God with that, suddenly he is able to hear truth in this place where he was believing lies. See, this is the opportunity that all of us have 24-7, all of us have this opportunity whenever we experience a negative emotion. Rather than, than immediately feeling ashamed or guilty for that emotion, sometimes we do, oh, I feel, you know, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't feel anger, I shouldn't feel, that's a bunch of garbage. Your emotions, they're not sinful in and of themselves. So we're not feeling guilty, we're not feeling ashamed for our emotions. Instead, we can actually be compassionate with ourselves and simply acknowledge it to Jesus. This is what I'm feeling. And, and welcome Jesus into it, welcoming his love, his truth into it. And what happens in that place is that Jesus often speaks truth into these places where we've been believing lies. He brings love into these places where we've been dominated by shame, where we're, being, we're struggling with shame. He brings love and truth into these places where we're believing lies. So for instance, the example I mentioned earlier in the intro about a parent erupting in anger over their three-year-old breaking a dish. What if, after that happened, the mom, let's say it's a mom, what if this mom later on, after it happens, uh, a couple hours later, she gets along with Jesus and she says, Jesus, why was I so angry? Why did I yell like that um, and hurt my daughter's feelings? I, what, what was triggered in me? Well, that simple exploratory question gives room for Jesus to bring truth. Maybe the anger is from physical fatigue, not having slept for a few days, okay? That could be one possibility. Maybe, maybe the anger is from a comment her husband made that morning about how the house is a mess. And so she was already feeling insecure as a mom, and then this, her three-year-old breaks this, this plate and, and creates more of a mess. See, once the root of our anger is identified, Jesus can speak truth into that place, Maybe Jesus says, you need to get some more sleep. Um, or maybe Jesus says, your identity is not in how clean your house is. Your identity is not in that. Your identity is me and how much I love you. And you're an amazing mom. Again, an emotionally healthy person is not a person who never experiences negative emotions. No, that is not an emotionally healthy person. It's not someone who never experiences negative emotions. No, an emotionally healthy person is a person who is attentive to their own heart and is, an in, is intentional about welcoming God into that place and letting him speak truth into that place. Now, by the way, we have an amazing prayer ministry here called Hope Abounds um, that can help you welcome Jesus into these places of pain, these places of lies. It's a free ministry. You can call the church 
and sign up for an appointment. It's called Hope Abounds. Now, what happens when we're able to look at our emotions in this way, this is really cool, um, is that what, what, what can result is it can result in some, some really, some important and healthy conversations with people around us. We're going to talk about this more a bit later in the series, but I want to at least mention it here. When we are attentive to our own hearts and inviting Jesus into that place, we then can have a healthy conversation with our spouse about how his words about the house being messy, how those words made us feel. Um, we can have a healthy conversation. Hey, we got to figure out, I need more sleep. We got to figure out how to, how to solve this. So in the same way that our unattended heart will spill over into our relationships, and it will, but in the same way that our unattended heart will spill over into our relationships, our attended heart will spill over into our relationships, but in a good way, in a good way. We will now be able to have healthy conversations about expectations and hurtful words and all of that stuff. But again, the only way we will ever get to that place is by looking beneath, learning to pay attention to our emotions and inviting Jesus into that. Now, for years, I had no clue about, what, about any of this stuff. I had no clue about what was going on in my heart and the damage that it was causing in my relationship. So in the first few years of my marriage, I was not a good husband. Um, and when I think back even earlier than that, in my college years and my fraternity, and I was on a mission trip um, for eight weeks in Mexico during college. Um, and man, I, I, I had a roommate that just hit all of my buttons. I mean, it, he drove me nuts. I had no idea what was going on beneath the surface. I just thought it was a personality conflict. I just chalked it up to that. Now I realize I just was not that great of a roommate, even before I got married. See, but the reality was I had some significant heart issues going on in me that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware of until about four years into my marriage and I started to have some work-related panic attacks. I thought they were work-related. They were actually more than that, but some panic attacks. And by the way, I've learned that God often uses brokenness like that to get our attention because some of us have a harder head or heart or whatever. Um, I think God uses brokenness like that to get us to look at things that we wouldn't otherwise look at. For me, it was panic attacks. For you, maybe it's your spouse telling you that she's done with this marriage. She's leaving. Or maybe it's a moral failure. Or maybe it's an angry outburst that caused you to get kicked off your basketball team or get fired from your job. See, those are moments that force us, no more denying it, suddenly these moments force us to start looking beneath, to start seeing things that we weren't seeing before. Because I thought my marriage was fine, and it wasn't. I thought I was doing great as a husband. I wasn't. So God used those panic attacks to get my attention. I thought I was losing my mind. I didn't know what was going on. And I started to look beneath. It happened because I went to a counselor, and he started asking me questions about my heart, things I have never looked at. Um, I started to see these huge walls of performance that I had been erecting and using to protect myself from this fear of failure and rejection. I had to keep busy. I had to be successful just hiding behind these huge walls. 
and they were causing defensiveness and distance in all of my relationships, but especially my relationship with Raylene. Again, I, I had no idea how my inattentiveness to my heart was destroying my marriage. So that really began for me a journey of, of how to better tune into my heart and let Jesus speak to me in those places. Because folks, there is no way around this. There is no way around this. If you want a stronger marriage, if you want closer friendships, if you want better, a better relationship with your children or your parents or your fellow students or coworkers or your fiance or even with God, if you want better relationships in any of those areas, you have got to start with your own heart. You've got to start with your own heart. You have got to look beneath with the presence of Jesus. This isn't about guilt, shame. None of that. It is looking beneath with Jesus right there, with the presence of Jesus, inviting his truth and his love into those broken places. All right, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. We long for closer, healthier relationships. Would you help us to look beneath? Instead of our typical response of ignoring or stuffing our negative emotions, would you help us to honestly look at them? And I pray for those that this is new to, or maybe they've heard this stuff and they're like, yeah, 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 but, but I just pray, Lord, you would open our eyes right now, every one of us, to be more aware of our hearts. And so I just pray for those that's new for them. I pray just a grace to, to take this next step and explore. Holy Spirit, would you help us learn how to better connect with our hearts so we can love God, love you with all of our heart. Not just, not part of our heart, all of our heart. All of our heart. So what I want to lead us in, you can just keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, whatever posture you're in here. But I want to lead us in just a, a little um, prayer exercise, a spiritual exercise here of learning to be present to our heart. I talked a little bit about this in the Still series last fall. But we're going to take a few moments here. We're going to quiet our hearts and try to tune in to what we're feeling. And again, if you're new to all this, just... I want to encourage you, focus on trying to identify at least one emotion that you're experiencing. If you're not new to this, I would encourage you to identify a few emotions. Because sometimes we think, oh, my heart can only have one emotion. No, there are multiple things going on in your heart right now. You may be experiencing joy over someone you saw in the lobby earlier. You may be experiencing anxiety from something that happened earlier today. There are, our, heart, our heart has these compartments, these places where we can experience multiple emotions. So if you're not new to this tuning into your heart, I want to encourage you to try to identify a few emotions that you're currently experiencing. Okay, and, and by the way, sometimes it's, help, it's helpful to have a list of kind of six basic emotions. And I think these kind of provide a basic category, basic categories. There are many more, but these provide kind of six basic categories. Sadness, anger, Fear, disappointment, happiness, or excitement. OK, 
Okay, so sadness, anger, fear, disappointment, happiness, or excitement. Okay, so what I want us to do, let's just start with some spiritual breathing. Um, and so what I mean by that is just, just focus on your breathing for a few moments. We're just trying to quiet our heart and our mind right now. Just focus on your breathing. And on the inhale, you can say something like, Spirit of God, on the exhale, breathe on me. Spirit of God, breathe on me. And Lord, I just pray your peace over our mind and our hearts right now. So now I want you just to take a few moments here and I want you to be present to your heart. What emotion or identify at least one emotion that you are experiencing right now as a result of something happened today. You have this emotion within you. Just take a moment and do that. Now what I want you to do, if, an, if I'm a specific emotion you became aware of, I want you just to take a moment and just acknowledge it and invite Jesus into that emotion. Whether it was positive, negative, just invite Jesus into that. Now, there may be some things he wants to process further with you, which is awesome when you get some time alone with him later today or this week. Just go back to that place and just explore it with him. What is this emotion about? Are there any lies that I'm believing that are causing this? Just explore it with him and let him speak into those places, his love and his truth. So, Lord, we just want to pray for this. It's for some of us, it's a new skill. Um, and we would just want to pray you'd help all of us grow in our ability to love you with all of our heart, which means being attentive to our heart and welcoming you into these places and that you would speak and bring life and truth and healing and wholeness into these places. So we love you. We love you, God. And, and let me just encourage you. We're getting ready to to respond in worship but in the coming weeks in this series as we talk more about this stuff you may start identifying and understanding where some of these emotions come from and so my encouragement is keep coming keep hearing these messages next next week especially is going to be kind of the next step in this whole area and so I just encourage you to do that so God help us in this journey help us in this journey as we look beneath 
We love you, God. And now we have this opportunity to open our hearts to you in worship. So why don't you stand? If at some point you want to sit down or maybe you want to remain standing, sitting right now and just processing some things further, go for it. But if you want to stand, we encourage you to. Jesus, we open our hearts to you. We love you. We love you, Lord.